Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Week 8 is here. Josh is on the road upstate New York with the fiance. I'm at home doing the work. Lord Reeves, we know, is doing the work. Rich Rebar of Sharp Football. Uh, we're going to do about 30 minutes of just people we like. It's that simple. We're not going to talk about the players we don't like. It's just 10 players that we like. Must starts. This is definitely going to be a little bit more DFS-y, a little more player proppy than normal here because uh, Rich Rebar has all the stats. So I'll just kick it over to you. Favorite play of week eight. <laughs> you, you have all the stats too. You got all the charts or what you yeah, got. I'm a charts uh, guy. I'm not, I'm not a stats guy. I'm, I'm just, I'm just here for the visuals. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, listen, I, I don't know rhyme or reason if there's an order of these guys, but since you said nope. like best play, I mean, if we're going to say like what I think, what I believe is the best play and the most optimal guy this week. Uh, I mean, we got to start with the big dog, right? Uh, Derek Henry. He's been hot. You know, he's he's had, what, over 132 total yards in each of the past four games. He's 25 or more touches in all those games. He has multiple receptions in all those games. Like That's the new part. What? Yeah. Like, like you know, we can't get any catches for Dalvin Cook, but Derrick Henry's out here catching multiple passes every week. Uh, and on top of it all, he's going against the, the, the fantasy gods' gift of all opposing running backs, uh, the Houston Texans. Uh, they are allowing 5.2 yards per carry uh, to opposing running backs. And when you pair that with they face the most carries per game from opposing running backs, it's just quite the cocktail, uh, which is why they are you know allowing the most rushing points per game in the NFL to opposing running backs. Through six games, the Texans have allowed either the highest scoring running back or the RB2 that week four times wow uh, and on top and there's a nice little cherry on top of it all Derrick Henry has over 200 rushing yards in three straight games <laughs> against the Texans which doesn't matter for this like it's not like what he did three years ago matters but it's just fun to say as content creators uh and then you're getting this run out with the Titans uh they run the ball on 67 percent of their first down plays that's second league only Atlanta our boys Arthur Smith is doing it more where we came from you know Arthur Smith came yep. from Tennessee uh, and Houston's like 5.9 yards per carry on opponent first down runs, uh, which is last of the league. So uh, the, it's got to start with the big dog. He set the, the table set for him this week. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's interesting that the Texans, like not only are they, when they're losing, teams obviously are going to be running on them, but even in neutral situations, offenses facing the Texans are running the ball in neutral situations at the sixth highest rate. So you don't have to dare the Titans to have a good time on the ground. Uh, the offensive line stuff hasn't been as bad as I thought it was going to be, um, given some of their injuries in Tennessee. And on the flip side, the Texans, they just lost one of their best uh, defensive linemen just the other week, too. So huge Derrick Henry week. Is he going to be like RB1? I think I have him like the RB3. It's like Josh Jacobs kind of in that tier. I want did you to hear uh, Pollard. Did you hear Josh Jacobs after the Texans game last week? No, what he said. Where he had a quote, he was like, There was just times I thought like someone's gonna be around me going to the line of scrimmage and I would just run for four oh, or five God. yards. Like he was like, I was just running for four or five yards and there was no one around me. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's gonna be one of those weeks. Like I I'm gonna see what we have him in our pick 'em projections. I'm sure the rushing total is like around like 120 or something like that. Uh 
it, it's a hundred, uh, 101.5 rushing yards is our higher lower, uh, 18.95 higher low for half PPR points. And then the, the, re- the receiving yards total is the interesting part. Cause that's been, mm-hmm. that's been like the new stuff this year mm-hmm. versus the previous seasons. He's not quite as explosive as he once was. The team definitely isn't scoring as many touchdowns as they once were, but he is getting there in the receiving game. So that's the new stuff. Uh, just curious on your opinions of Tony Pollard. Obviously he, he goes to the moon, but like how much to the moon? Cause like for DFS circles, I'm sure like the ownership rates and all that stuff is going to be, at sky high how do you think he like matches up with somebody like derrick henry yeah i mean we live in a salary cap world and you know derrick henry uh is 10k on Fanduel, and he's eight two on DraftKings, i believe mm-hmm. so i mean you're when the salary cap world getting tony pollard at you know 6200 right. and 6500 is a huge run out we only obviously have that one game sample of tony pollard playing without Ezekiel elliott and he was the rb1 that week with andy dalton as his quarterback mm-hmm. uh and the bears have been so bad against the run i mean it's a it's a perfect run out right if tony Pollard gets this job because one, they haven't even had a third running back active yet this season. It's just been Zeke and Tony Pollard every game. So, like, whoever they bring up from the practice squad, whether it's Quadriolison or uh, I forget the young guy's name that they had in the, the preseason that was running the ball actually pretty well in the preseason. But, like, these guys we can't count on to get touches. We're also getting the Bears traveling on a short week. They just played on Monday night. Uh, and the Bears have been awful against the run, too. So, it's just, like, set up so perfectly for Tony Pollard, like, such a smash spot. Um for like this to all run out for him uh yeah I, he's gonna have a lot more ownership just based on salary than derrick henry mm-hmm. just by default uh but he's like good chalk like there's no real reason to fade right. Tony pollard yeah totally agree for for <laughs> battle royale right now tony pollard's adp is much lower we haven't like fully adjusted yet at least there's like some chance that zeke elliott plays but with the bye week i think they have next week i'm pretty certain that he's going to be sitting so tony pollard's one of the best picks in battle royale for sure he was probably not getting drafted uh, earlier in the week so he's probably not gonna be at least a hundred percent rostered okay for my first player it's going to be tyler boyd and my question to you just like how high should he be in my rankings i currently have him as the wide receiver 17 kind of sandwiched between Ooh. gabe davis and amari cooper obviously jamar chase goes out the team total drops by uh, 1.25 points um they're still ninth highest in the league this week the Bengals are and it's just kind of a, a debate is what they were doing the last couple weeks, shotgun based, completely pass heavy, first and neutral pass rate, 78%, I think was the highest of any team this entire year um, last week. And that's been feeding the ball to Tyler Boyd specifically when they go shotgun and they're reading the field out. One of the first things he's going to be looking at is do I have a free six, seven, eight yards to Tyler Boyd in the slot? And we saw that a lot last week. We know Mike Thomas is not going to be uh, a target earner. His yards per route run over his careers under 1.0. Um, so, Everything's setting up for Tyler Boyd to be a upside wide receiver to play, assuming the Bengals stick with this pass heavy offense. What do you think they're going to do without Jamar Chase? Yeah, this is going to be interesting because, you know, Jamar Chase since the start of last year, he has not been on the field for only 21 of Joe Burrow's pass attempts. Like we don't really have like a like a sample and a bunch of splits to draw from. Right. Right. Uh, And then the other interesting dynamic in this game is that you would think like, the way to beat the Browns is to go beat them up because their defensive interior is so light and they can't stop the run. They're just getting bullied around, but the Bengals under center game is awful and they yep. can't really line up and run the football, like straight run the football on anybody. So yeah, uh, it's going to be a real interesting dynamic here to see how the Bengals are able to calibrate because they just found it, right? Like we just found this, like, Hey, you finally, 
you messed around for five weeks trying to figure out how you wanted to get teams to, to combat the too high safety stuff you were looking at. You finally realized your under center game was trash. You scrapped it, started playing the Joe Burrow offense, and guess what? You started moving the football a lot. Now, granted, they did face two defenses that were pretty banged up the past two weeks. Uh, but still, like we knew, we've been screaming for like Zach Taylor just to do this. Like, hey, you can't line up and just run the football on early downs. It's you're not having any success to get rid of it. Uh, but that would be the signal here is to do that against the Browns, especially without Jamar Chase. So it's gonna be interesting to see like how the Bengals, uh, you know, go into this game on Monday night. But yeah, both those receivers get a big bump. Like, so we don't really have like a large sample. We can kind of use Higgins as a proxy in a sense yeah. because. Higgins has missed a lot of time the past two years, like when all these guys have been around. So we kind of just use him as like a proxy, you know, chases targets and targets per out run bumped way up with Higgins off the field. And the same thing was true for Tyler Boyd. I imagine we'll see a similar run out because it's as good as the top three wide receivers are for the Bengals. Wide receivers four through six might be the worst in the NFL. Yes. Like, yes. It's rough down here. Stanley Morgan is like a run blocker. Mike Thomas yep. has been been out here for a while, not really doing anything. Uh, Hayden Hurst isn't exactly uh, like a guy we're going to count on to like really turn like a bunch of like production, like electric production, right? Like he can get some more targets, but yeah. Well, what I mean, we <laughs> I got to stop you there. More targets of the tight end position this week. That's I true. will gladly be taking. <laughs> I have Hayden Hurst uh, well inside my top 10 this week. Uh, just because I'm looking at guys like you yeah. know Kyle Pitts, uh, Taysom Hill, people that project for zero targets per game uh, inside my top 10, top mm-hmm. 12. So I, I, I think Hayden Kyle Hurst and Taysom um, Hill in there. <laughs> I mean, my goodness. Uh, but yeah, so I, I think Hayden Hurst is a, a – primary beneficiary here obviously t higgins we're all going to be ranking him inside the top 10 and, mm-hmm. and I, I have a pretty aggressive ranking on tyler boy just because i don't think they can fully put the genie back in the bottle after the switching this offense it's been more effective it seems like joe mixon likes it more joe burrow's certainly going back to even college loves the shotgun offense i just think he it's better when he can actually see the field when they do the play action stuff i know it's more efficient historically and stuff but joe burrow's so good with just like reading the coverage immediately and just getting the ball out and I think that they can do that still. They're calling T. Higgins an alpha number one receiver. I think that he can do that as well. So very bullish on Tyler Boyd. All right, who's your next name? I like that. Well, this is uh, the must-start theme. So we've, we've got a must-start, Raheem Mostert. Uh, I have him too. Let's go. He's one of, <laughs> he's one of my five. Yeah, uh, you look at Raheem Mostert, just last week on Sunday, he still retained like his grasp on this Miami backfield. You know, He's gone over 100 yards uh, in two of the past three games. 74% of the backfield touches on Sunday night. Uh, he also ran a pass route on 71% of the team dropbacks. That was his highest rate uh, in a game this season. And we're getting that kind of gift against the Lions. Like we kind of talk about the Texans. I mean, they're 30th in yards per carry a lot of the running backs. They've allowed 10 touchdowns to running backs so far. Uh, 44% of the carries against the Lions have gained five or more yards. That's 30th in the league. 17% have gone for 10 or more yards. That's 31st in the league. Uh, he's another guy, too. He's just getting a couple more receptions a game, too, than we thought like he might get in this split because Chase Edmonds has been bad, unfortunately. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I love this game again. I'm, there's going to be another player in this game I'm going to talk about, too, because I think the Lions are just structurally – like this is a nightmare matchup for them no matter what way you slice it to how to defend the Miami Dolphins. Yep. Like, this is one of the worst teams they, for the structure of defense they play, can try to stop. Uh, so, yeah, Raheem Mostert, you got to fire him up. Uh, he's at a legit RB1 this week. I have him ranked as my RB11. If I was going to pick a direction to move him to, I think I'd move him up. Yeah, the Dolphins are projected for the second most points of the week. And uh, Raheem Oster's just been good. And Chase Edmonds, like you said, has been really bad this season. So I think he had two drops even last week. And 
I noticed this early in the season, like Raheem Moser was playing like the two minute drill. And that like, I was not expecting that at all. And then I like, kind of sense then he's just been getting a couple more targets here and there, not really groundbreaking stuff, but we don't even need that many targets in this game, just because the Miami dolphins um, playing the, the lions 31st in against fantasy running backs, 31st in rushing EPA allowed here. And the lions, I think can fight back on offense when mm-hmm. they have, when Jared Goff has most of his weapons back, Amon Ross St. Brown seems like he's going to be uh, cleared to go, and DeAndre Swift um, fully practicing. Are either of what, either one of those names your other name in this game? Uh, no, it's a do- it's another Dolphin. Hit me. Let's do it. Uh, yeah, I mean, might as well stay there, and it's uh, it's Tyree Kill. I promise I have some less, like, not well, we need, yeah, we need, we need to know who to draft in the first round of Battle Royales and all that stuff. Yeah, too. I mean, just this marriage of Mike McDaniel and Tyree Kill has just been so perfect. I mean, you have the, the next-gen, the gummy worm charts that people tweet out. Yep. Uh, uh, like he's just lining up everywhere. They're just funneling him targets everywhere. He's got he's got 31% of the team targets. That's fourth among all wide receivers. He's been targeting 34% of his routes. That leads all receivers. Uh, leads all receivers in yards per route run. Uh, the other thing we love about Tyree Kill is he leads the NFL in targets and team target share uh, with the use of play action, which are historically worth more fantasy points. Uh, what I like for him particularly about this matchup is the way the Lions play defense. And they're going to have to try to figure out what they're going to do because they can't do what they always do. Mm-hmm. Uh, Detroit has blitzed on 35% of opposing passing plays. That's fifth in the NFL. They played man coverage on 44% of opposing passing plays. That's second. When they blitz, they play man coverage behind the blitz on 61% of those blitzes, which is the ninth highest rate in the league. Teams do not often try to blitz the Miami Dolphins because their guys are faster than everybody. Yep. Uh, but when they do, Tyreek Hill is averaging 4.1 yards per route run <laughs> against the Blitz. Uh, he's been targeted on 37 per routes, uh, 37% of his routes against the Blitz. That's the fourth highest rate in the NFL. So if Detroit does want a cookie jar a few times and stick their hand in there uh, on the carpet, uh, yeah, Tyreek might be blowing by some big touchdowns. And he, he his splits versus the Blitz and zone coverage and man coverage stuff are a little bit better than Waddle's. Waddle's been a little bit more of a zone-based guy. Mm-hmm. But uh, Waddle is playable, too, this game, too. Don't oh, get me yeah. wrong. But, uh, yeah, I'm I looking for, like, a pretty big run out for Tyreek here. here. Yeah, yeah, I think for, for Battle Royale, Tyreek Hill's going after Justin Jefferson and Cooper Cup. And I think you can make a pretty good argument that he should be the wide receiver one. That's where I have him in my rankings. Uh, Jalen Waddle also in the top ten for Battle Royale. Royale this week yeah I'm with you the only concern you can possibly have is this bracket coverage that they did against Justin Jefferson but they've done that basically once mm-hmm. and the way that they use Tyreek Hill even if you are bracketing they just throw him screens and all the type of stuff as well that he's pretty much just bracket proof uh for the most part and even Justin Jefferson uh, later in the game was getting some manufactured stuff in that game so yeah no 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 downside risk for Tyreek Hill any of these Dolphins I think that uh two a double stacks in DFS circles, definitely viable. Um, my next name, speaking of that, is Kirk Cousins. So we're looking for uh, QB1s, low-end QB1s. We have Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert. They're both on buys. The Vikings right now have the fourth-highest team total of the week. Kirk Cousins, we don't have to worry about prime time. In fact, this is probably one of the most hidden games of his career. Middle of the season, coming off the buy, one Eastern, at home, all the things that you can possibly like. The Cardinals on defense, They've been struggling. They're 27th against fantasy quarterbacks. They're 30th in adjusted sack rate. They're 27th in passing EPA per loud. And offenses facing the Cardinals have passed in neutral situations 
at the eighth highest rate. I'm kind of curious to see what's going to happen with this offense. My theory is that these first-time head coaches, they get better throughout the season. They have to learn some things. We'll see if the, the same is true for Nathaniel Hackett. But I'm pretty bullish on what the Vikings can do on offense. Their offensive line, per a lot of these metrics, have been improved this year versus the last couple seasons. So they, they play with pace. They play with pass rate. They're both top 10 in those neutral stats as well. So I think Kirk Cousins, especially in like DFS, I think you can get Justin Jefferson and maybe throw in an Herb Smith because tight ends down or throw in Adam Thielen, whose usage is still wide receiver, wide receiver three level. He hasn't been as productive this year, um, but I think that this is a matchup to kind of take advantage. Yeah, I'm curious to see the Vikings if they start incorporating some more intermediate the vertical passing in their offense, you know, coming out of the bye. That's like the only thing Kevin O'Connell hasn't really mm-hmm. brought over. They're throwing more on first down. They're doing all these structure, structure things that we kind of thought that they would to improve the passing game. Because remember the big argument wasn't, that the Vikings were going to just throw more with Kevin O'Connell. Like they're, they, the attempts were fine last year. It was, yeah, it is like actually like how efficient the types of throws they were going to get throwing mm-hmm. on early downs, putting Kirk Cousins in more advantageous situations. That's where the boon was going to come from. It wasn't really a volume perspective thing. Uh, yeah, this game could be fun. Uh, it could get there. You know, if the Cardinals are going to care over what they did on Thursday night, this is another one of those like could be fun games uh, as well. So yeah, I'm just looking for some more deep balls because only Daniel Jones has thrown the ball downfield less than Kirk Cousins. And even when you factor in their intermediate levels where Justin Jefferson was such an assassin the past few years, uh, everything for Kirk Cousins, 72% of his passes, 10 yards line of scrimmage or shorter, uh, one of the highest rates of the league. Let's get some of these crossers going, right, that we saw in week one, like where uh, we had Justin Jefferson running butt naked, you know, over the middle Mm -hmm. of the field. Let's get some of those back in play. Yeah, (laughs) totally agree with that. We have seen the Vikings tick up their neutral pass rate recently over the last uh, four weeks. Uh, of, of the season as well and this is just a great matchup for for Justin Jefferson um, mm-hmm. in particular I do think that the, the Cardinals you made a good note there I, I'm curious if there's going to be some splits with like neutral pace like the Cardinals neutral pace has been down a little bit now they still play at high high pace when they're trailing in games but early in the season I was kind of frustrated but they were playing a little bit slower and I, I wonder if just getting DeAndre Hopkins back just gives them a sense of relief I don't think that like DeAndre Hopkins is much better or worse than like Marquise Brown but I just wonder if the new offense, they've been moving th- things around. I wonder if Cliff gets back in his bag and this game could have more plays than we're anticipating just because we've seen a, there's at least some ex- excuses to kind of make some tweaks for both of these offenses. They also, on last Thursday night, used, they used motion on 65% of their snaps, which they hadn't been doing at the front of the season either. So I don't know what like what it took. Just, just DeAndre Hopkins came back, started to I, give Cliff some religion. Like, I don't know. They're moving Hopkins around the line at formation instead of just like lining up as just like that left wide receiver. Like, who I'm knows, hoping, man? I'm, I'm hoping that Cliff like created a burner account on Twitter and started like following all the fantasy analysts. It's like, all right, let's see what, what they have. Uh, I'm sure that there's some coaching uh, coaches out there that are secretly into the deep Twitter stuff. Following that'd be awesome. Uh, yeah, it would be. Great. I saw someone ask Todd Bowles about EPA per play last it week. Did not go well there. for that reporter. Uh, or was it left? It was left with. Right? Yeah, it was yeah. left with. Yeah. Uh, he had no idea even what EPA. He thought there was someone was speaking in tongue. Yeah, he shut it down. He's like, "What? What's wrong with our run game?" We're like, uh, "Have you watched it? I, the film? Isn't much different than, than the EPA metrics either." True. So I don't know where you're going with that. Okay, uh, we're about halfway through this. Who's who's your next name? All right, I'll pick a guy a little bit down or down on the charts. Uh, I'm gonna go with Wandale Robinson. Okay, uh, we saw him last week again. He, you know, 
comebacks, get another eight, eight targets, you know, just the 50 yards. He's probably not going to be like a huge yardage guy for you. Uh, you know, probably one of those guys that is like Tyler Boyd ish before, right. Before the bump. Uh, but after he played 23 snaps in week six, he gets up to 69% last week, uh, goes from 30, 36% route participation, participation rate up to 78%. Uh, he's been targeted on 36 and 24% of his routes. What we like for about him in this particular matchup uh, as he plays 71% of his snaps in the slot so far. Uh, Seattle's been very good on the outside. They've been really bad against everybody except for like boundary wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're fourth in the league in point slot to opposing boundary wide receivers. Those Giants don't really have anybody. Like Darius Slayton's yeah. been playing okay, but they don't really have any boundary receivers for like us to care about. But on the interior of Seattle, 23rd in points allowed per game, uh, 8.7 yards per target. That's 23rd. 13.8 yards per catch. That's 29th. They've also allowed three touchdowns to those guys too. Uh, it seems like Wandell early on is like he has a role when he's on the field. His snaps have been valuable. Uh, so I like him for this matchup in a game where like both running backs look absolutely sensational. Maybe we'll talk about some of those guys too. Yeah. Uh, the, the Wandell Robinson stuff, it's a good point that Seattle, I think most of that, that production on defense is just Tariq Wollen. their six foot four uh, absolute freak athlete has just been shutting everyone down on the perimeter and they've lost some pieces on the inside. So that that's not mm-hmm. super su- surprising that their slot rates haven't been as uh, strong as their deep stuff. Yeah, Wanda Robinson is super interesting. I, I have been kind of holding back too much optimism, like half PPR and stuff, just because my yeah. fear is that he's like a slot receiver, slot receiver only, though he was playing more two wide receiver sets last week. Uh, and that is ADOT's going to be low. I believe it's only at five yards. But in a game with Geno Smith gets hot, uh, all of a sudden we can see Wanda Robinson, which we haven't seen because the Giants have been miraculously winning all these games in negative game scripts. And I think that's really when some of these <laughs> slot receivers can go off. We've seen like something like crazy, like Jamison Crowder weeks where there's like no other uh, outside wide receivers to throw the ball to. They they're losing by a touchdown or two. And all of a sudden like Jamison Crowder gets 11 targets. I kind of see Jamison Crowder and Wando Robinson in pretty similar uh, roles here. So I have him as like a, a wide receiver three. Uh, mm-hmm. You can pop like play a upside wide receiver three in full PPR. We just need the giants to, to lose a couple games, which doesn't seem like it's ever going to happen. Yeah, they, they're just riding this magical run, man. And uh, so is Seattle. This is this is the only yes. game this weekend where both teams have a winning record. And who would have thought that, wow. you know, where we had Ravens, Bucks, 49ers, Rams, Bills, mm-hmm. Packers. Like, this is the only game. Yeah. Uh, just while we're talking about it, it, do you have, like, any, like, thoughts on how the ball is going to get distributed with DK Metcalf most likely out uh, this weekend, perhaps behind? Like, obviously, like, you move Tyler Lockett up. Like, is Noah Fant somebody that you even care about at this point? He's pretty much been – been useless do you think like ken walker all of a sudden gets an extra a couple catches per game how do you think they're gonna do yeah i mean obviously you look at just it was only the one game split last week but you know lockett's you know routes per target went from 22 percent with metcalf on the field all the way up to 35 percent yeah with him off so obviously he's gonna draw the targets because he's just inherently going to draw targets because he's good and the other guys aren't as good. Uh, Marquis Goodwin will be an interesting play. The Giants are another one of those teams. They've been better outside than inside. Uh, they blitz a lot. We know that they're going to give up uh, a chance. Like I said, they're going to stick their hand in the cookie jar. Wink Wink is going to send some guys. Oh, yeah. Uh, and Gino's been awesome against the blitz the whole, the whole year. Uh, so his splits versus the blitz, I think it gives a chance for any of these guys to make plays. Uh, probably Marquise Goodwin. You won't get the two touchdowns, but there's opportunity there. The tight ends are cannibalizing each other. It's a lot like the Colts situation where it, like Seahawk team tight end looks pretty good, like in the context of like their stats. Yeah. But like they're playing Will Disley. They're playing Noah Fant. They're playing Colby Parkinson. Like, yep. uh, like 
if we could just combine those guys into one Voltron, like one tight end Voltron, I'd feel really good. But like the fact that all these guys are cannibalizing each other and they all kind of have different roles, like Disley's mm-hmm. a run blocker, but he also draws the red zone looks. Right. Like, and, you know, like, so fans getting like all these, like just targets that like don't really have any, they're not rich in any fantasy cholesterol. Like yeah. they just aren't, they're just targets. I guess you uh, could make the case that maybe that they go to two more mm-hmm. or more two wide receiver sets and put Noah Fan maybe as like a slot guy. We we were asking the I Broncos to actually do that more, and he really actually didn't do that all that much for like how strong of a prospect profile he had. Um, that's kind of the upside case, I guess, as a punt play in DFS. I'm sure that he's going to be. Yeah, he's right in that popular. mix. Yeah. Um, next name I have is DJ Moore, and it's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and I both. Uh, both posted like on off splits uh, with DJ Moore within like a minute of each other. I posted mine, I refreshed, and I'll, like the next tweet is just <laughs> your on off splits. I was like, yes, we're on the same page here. But uh, in short, um, without Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore has seen about like three expected fantasy points per game more without him. Uh, over the last month of the season, he's quietly been the wide receiver 19 and expected half PPR points per my model. Uh, I was pretty optimistic with what PJ Walker did last week. Now we'll see if that obviously stays, but the Falcons defense right now is completely trash. Uh, no AJ Terrell. They're probably going to have a safety out as well. They're already dead last against fantasy wide receivers. Uh, it's a, it's a week to start DJ Moore. I'm pretty confident in this because the usage is up and if this game stays close or if the Panthers, trail at all i think that dj moore is like the only one that's going to be quote unquote earning targets i don't think that terrace marshall the tight ends nobody else even chuba hubbard who was kind of operating as their uh passing down back if you had to pick one uh he's not going to be playing this week too so i think that dj moore i think i'd be pretty stunned if he didn't have like top 20 uh like targets this week you're not uh, tasting that chasing that Tommy Tremble touchdown. Man, I uh, wish I thought Tommy <laughs> Tremble had a little something uh, on paper, but he can't get the full time full time role. Yeah, you know what? I'm actually this is one I kind of regret, like like uh, just not being ahead of a week ago, right? Like it, when we last saw the Panthers the week prior, you know they their longest completion was six yards downfield. Uh, the the eight was negative. That was like my favorite set of the year. Is they had a negative eight with PJ Walker, so and you know. Insane. we just kind of left everything for dead there, but it was like during the week they traded away Robbie Anderson and Christian McCaffrey. Like, yeah, it was kind of like, it was one of these things that was like, it was, it was in front of my face and like, I'm in the weeds on this stuff. I'm looking like, why didn't I pull up those splits before? Yeah. Like, why didn't I have those? Like, why am I tweeting him a week late? Like he was 4,900 on DraftKings last week. Dang. Like, and he's only 5,300 this week. So, like, mm-hmm. it's fine still. Because his splits with Robbie Anderson are amazing, too. He's only run 154 routes with both off the field. I mean, that's that's at least something. It's better than our uh, Jamar Chase splits that we brought about earlier. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, 32% team target share or target per out run with those two guys off the field. You talk about they just don't have anybody else. Yeah. And then you combine that with this particular matchup where two weeks ago, Casey Hayward had already been put on IR. Uh, no AJ Terrell. Uh, the past two weeks, the Falcons have allowed five top twenty-four scoring receivers. Uh, so yeah, the runway is here for Denniston Jr. for sure. I'm just mad that I, I'm a week late on it. Yeah, I was I was calling him a buy low, but I wasn't like standing on the table and stuff because a lot of the times we get frustrated, we get too zoomed in, and I'm guilty of this too. We got to sometimes take a step back and be like, all right, talent's going to win out some degree. Mm-hmm. The Panthers can't have outlier levels of play volume stuff the entire season. And I know it's been frustrating. I almost want to say the same things about Drake London and Kyle Pitts. Like 
it can't be this bad the entire season or else we're this is like legit like 1950s football you'd have to assume that this kind of regresses <laughs> to some degree here uh i'm gonna have to eat my words with this one too i did not include kyle pitts because i'm too much of a coward i almost called kyle pitts uh somebody to be buying this week but uh, i just couldn't do it um do you have another name uh yeah yeah you know it's funny is we're we were just talking about because i have a main event team and we were debating whether to play drake london or antonio gibson this week do you have a take on that i would i think i would go drake london antonio gibson was getting a couple more passing down uh reps and i mean the coach but that's where we better. are with, with london i know it's not great it's not great because i i think i have brian robinson is like my rb 27 and i have him ranked ahead of antonio gibson of course so <laughs> i i stuck with it i asked josh i said i think drake london is my wide receiver 34 this week and i asked him i was like is that too high or too low and he said that's too high um but i told him I'm, I'm betting on talent here i've seen him play he's good yeah i i have him at 36 so like it's so hard because you said the same thing like when you get into like the weeds when you're actually ranking these guys and you have to put the numbers you have to put them in That's a linear list we have to put them in like a linear order like how am i supposed to put like donovan people's jones ahead of drake london like you know or like even like chase claypool right like yes man like i'm not excited i don't want to play chase claypool either no like i can't do it i can't do it i i've had enough uh I, I don't think that he can look this team in the eyes down three scores again and say we're running the ball uh, again. And there's a chance that even Caleb Hunter, somebody misses time here too. So um. yeah. Yeah. I mean, they haven't had more than 20 team targets available since week two. Gosh, it's so frustrating. Man. So and Kyle Pitts, he got absolutely stonewalled at the goal mm-hmm. line last week. He had that holding call to play before. And it was like, he literally ran into a, a an invisible stone yeah. wall at the goal line. It was so frustrating. They called it a touchdown at first. And then, <sighs> They they changed it. The and then they Kurtz. tried to challenge it, and they, that was one of those plays that had no shot at getting overturned because it was just like this is right on the line. Look at this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, who's who's the next name? Yeah, I got. Another guy. I'm I'm I I don't see any reason to slow down the Kenneth Walker train. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, you look at just in it's particularly in this matchup too. Uh, so right now he has 23 touches in each game in the past two weeks, 92 percent and 74 percent of team backfield touches. The one bugaboo is he does. You know, he doesn't have a catch after two weeks, you know, as a guy, you know, that's like a one slice of complaint. He's not running like a ton of routes, but maybe makes him like a, like almost like a Nick Chubian type of like run out for fantasy, but we're getting him, him as a home favorite here. Uh, They haven't played in negative game script. I don't think even if the giants go ahead, it's like a real negative game script either. Like, I don't think the giants are put them in a a spot where we're just, we have a drop back passing game for two and a half quarters. Uh, Also Kenneth Walker now is up to 318 rushing yards on carries of 10 or more yards. Only Nick Chubb and Saquon Barkley have more as running backs. Uh, Those guys have 59 and 76 more carries than Kenneth Walker. Uh, as well this wow. he is what he has advertised as college right like this is who he was coming out of college he is that very jonathan taylor-esque type of like you might stop him for five or six runs but guess what's gonna happen on that seventh run like you might get house called uh and then you look at the giants they're 31st in the nfl in yardage allowed uh rushing on explosive runs in the nfl the past two weeks They've allowed 119 yards to Kenyon Drake on just 10 carries. And they allowed 114 yards to Travis Etienne on just 14 carries. Like what happens if we throw a 20 carry running back at these guys? Like, you know, we could be looking at a really big number in terms of yardage and big runouts. Uh, Inversely, Seattle also terrible and explosive run rate allowed. And we already mentioned Saquon a second in those types of yardage. Like this game could have some, some house calls or some running backs. Yeah. I'd love to see it right now. Uh, 
Ken Walker in the Pick'em Lobby, uh, higher lower set at just over 16 half PPR points. That seems completely appropriate uh, to me. He's just amazing, man. He really is. And I, I do think that he can catch more passes than people give him credit for. We've kind of seen players or running backs coming out of that conference, especially a Michigan State as well. They just don't throw the ball to their running backs. And like there was, if you read all the, the scouting reports, like Daniel Jeremiah said, like he's like one of the best interviews, like the coaches love him and all that stuff. I, I feel like just betting on these players, like that he's going to eventually be able to catch some passes here too. So we'll see if they drop a couple more screens just in case like the, the there's a little dip in efficiency. Sometimes you see coaches dial up a couple screens and man, if you put them out in space on screens, I would love to see what uh, Ken Walker can do. Um, my last name here, and this is just kind of a little bit of a DFS play, just kind of finding a way to play Dak Prescott, maybe CD Lamb, Michael Gallup. I'm not sure uh, how I want to play this, um, but I, I know that Tony Pollard right now in DFS is going to be like, the chalkiest pick. And for, for DFS tournaments, obviously, you want to be getting off that. Jerry Jones, just uh, a couple hours ago, he said uh, for Michael Gallup, he said, quote, I expect to see more production. That's not any way of drawing a line. He's that important to our offense. We've seen those outstanding 20-plus yard plays. You bet we need to have them show up with the good stats. And I think that we could have it, have it here. Obviously, Zeke Elliott is probably going to miss some time. Dalton Schultz has been limited. He's had like three separate knee injuries. Uh, it seems really bad for Dalton Schultz. Noah Brown hasn't practiced this week with a foot injury. That's kind of gone a little bit under the radar here and Michael Gallup is just all it takes is one or two passes downfield for him to rip off a huge play. We know the Cowboys are projected for top five points on the week. And if you have to get off the Tony Pollard stuff for DFS tournaments, if you're playing battle Royale, Dak Prescott, CD lamb plus Michael Gallup, I think would be a, a pretty good way to get off that. I just think that Michael Gallup, he hasn't been a full-time player yet, but he's off the injury report. And if Noah Brown's off the field, he's going to have to go into a full-time role. No, I like that one, uh, uh, you know, because Gallup's another one of these guys, like, people are just like, well, I, what do I do, drop him? Do I not, yeah. you know, the, the, but you get a lot of those questions right now. Uh, but, yeah, we're only one game with Dak back, and it was, you know, they kind of nursed him along. They were, I think they were dead even, right? Their pass rate over expectation was 0%, was it? Yeah. I think they were dead on. Uh, but that was better than what we had at Cooper Rush. So we're, we're trending upwards, and the Lions just didn't fight back in that game. Uh, I'm curious, I, that game in particular is interesting to me because – what the Bears did on Monday night is something that they should have been doing for another five weeks too. And we haven't seen that designed, you know, uh, run game with Justin Fields. Yep. That was the first time they pulled that out. So I'm curious to see if they keep that going too, or if it was just a one-off thing. Because I would Belichick's, have to think they yeah. keep it, right? Yeah, like, they should. <laughs> I mean, it's clearly effective. It's not shocking. I mean, if anyone's watched any Justin Fields at any point of his entire life, you know it would work. I did notice even coming like into that game, his screened call rate, like last year, he was like one of the lowest in screen uh, plays. It's like only like 6%. This year, it's like up at 18%. So we're getting the screen stuff and the quarterback design stuff. I think that even if this is, they're not going to like be averaging like 25 points per game. Right. But if they can just get up to 21 points per game, if they're just moving the ball at all, even if it's with uh, the quarterback design stuff, I, I think that even like Darnell Mooney eventually can be at least like a deep flex play instead of like being outright droppable. The quarterback design stuff is clearly great for Justin Fields, but I think it's just an efficient play for what the Bears have been putting up the last two seasons. I hope that they just can keep these games a little bit tighter for fantasy purposes. Yeah, and I think that's part of what we saw with like this Colts move to Sam Ellinger. I mean, you look at kind of what the meta's been on defense this year, play, shell coverage, you know, keep everything front, make teams have, you know, eight play drives, 10 play drives, 12 play drives, make a mistake. 
Uh, and the quarterback run stuff is a huge element if you don't have starting weapon. Look at these teams that are overachieving. The Bears are overachieving. The Falcons are overachieving. The Giants, Giants. are overachieving. It's got They've got these mobile quarterbacks. And yep. I think that's what the, uh, the Colts really stared themselves in the face and thought something similar. Like we need to, we just, we can't have a drop back passing game that has Matt Ryan dropping back 50 times behind this offensive line, yep. throwing six yard passes downfield. Like we just can't sustain drives that way. So having the mo- QB mobility infused in, uh, yeah, I think that's what the NFL is kind of moving to. These pocket passers are struggling, man. It's, it, really it's you are. hate to see it. You you hate to see it because a lot of these guys have had great careers. Like, listen, man, Brady's walking straight in the Hall of Fame the day he walks out. Aaron Rodgers, the same thing too. But like, you don't have any QB mobility right now, and you pair them with like guys that struggle to like get open, like the Packers or situ- situation is. Yeah, it's really hard. It's really hard to yeah. sustain offense uh, with the way teams are playing defense now. And the other component is is like. Everyone has like a, a, a demon that's just like a straight alien. It's like an edge rusher now. Like yep. all these guys, like I was talking to my son about this. Like the best athletes I think in sports right now are these defensive ends and outside linebackers. Like these dudes are 6'5 to 6'7, 250 pounds. They run sideways. They're yeah. running horizontal on the full bend. speed. Yeah. Like it, like these guys are absolute demons. Yeah. Like and like every team has like two or three of these guys now. Yep. Uh, it's wild, but yeah, uh, QB mobility huge factor, especially you know if you can use it on these teams like the Bears that really just don't have the playmakers. I mean, you mm-hmm. got you got to bang it, man. Use it. It's so ridiculous that they weren't doing this. Uh, I'm cur- super curious. You post like the NFL wide league trends after every single season. There's really fascinating. I do wonder if like the quarterback mobility stuff is not going to be great for like the depth of the fantasy wide receiver position. That's mm-hmm. my like one kind of concern here. And I was looking at just some of the numbers, like uh, how often players are in your flex. If you're between running backs and wide receivers and best ball this year. And right now, like more so than ever, like the running back positions kind of been infiltrated instead of uh, the wide receivers. And that's obviously partially because there's 24 running backs versus 36 wide receivers so that flex position, yeah. yeah you're like dealing with like the rb25 versus like the wide receiver 37 so it's a little bit easier but in half ppr and stuff it is kind of fascinating to see the top end pass uh like russell wilson's fallen aaron Rodgers fallen tom brady's fallen like you're that's a lot of passing yards that have kind of just gone away so uh, we'll, we'll see what the league-wide trends are after the season yeah, I'm I'm very curious because we've seen that the, well at the start of the year it looked like oh my goodness like if you don't have these elite wide receivers like yep. what are you going to do and then there's been a huge punch back by the good running backs at least since then but uh, running back receiving is still way down like that's the one element of like running backs like that's still way down mm-hmm. uh, I posted something it was after week five like the top. The, the first five weeks of the season, the last decade. And that was still just like getting nuked. And that's what I think like quarterback mobility has really had their imprint on that. Like their mm-hmm. thumbprint, like that is really true. nuking a lot of the dump offs and stuff like they turn into QB runs. Right. Like, uh, so I'm curious to see like if that sticks, but yeah, I, I love going back and looking at all that stuff every year and kind of just seeing the shift. And I've talked for two off seasons. Now I've talked about at least coming to this one. I wrote about it in the sharp football book uh, that just, you know, a lot of people were kind of just over, I don't like over propelling us playing through two years of the pandemic and underplaying what the pandemic had to do with offensive production. Uh, and I said, you know, I was like, you know, don't be shocked if like we see a big recoil this year because, you know, we saw home field like from 2021 to 2020 take a, a huge uh, shift when the team started to get fans. 
uh, and then just like penalties and just players missed. I mean, you remember last December, we had like a thousand guys on the COVID list. Like, you know, it was absolutely bonkers. So, I mean, I was trying to stress people like, you know, don't be shocked if we just see inherent recoil just because of the COVID stuff too, like playing through the pandemic. Like that stuff's not normal. We were seeing on offense for two years either. So yep. there's a lot that goes into it. It's not just one thing. It's not just the two high safeties. It's mm-hmm. not just, you know, uh, the, the running courts. There's a lot that goes into what we've seen in this disappointment for in terms of scoring. But uh, we're still here. We have to set fantasy lineups. And we're here every week in the context of fantasy football, yes. right? Like whether a team score 30 points a week or they score yep. 50 points a week, they're still going to be an RB1. They're still going to be a wide receiver one. They're still going to be a QB1. And we have to be on those picks, man. Yeah, absolutely. And, and for like best ball, like it's it's – I post like the, the historical like data, but as like the league wide trends and stuff happen, like you can't just be like, Oh, wide receivers historically have been really good in this part of the draft. And like, maybe those things kind of shift back and forth and stuff. And we're going to have to really like kind of get into the details of like, what's explaining some of these things. Is it just outlier performance? Is it COVID? Is it what's going on here? Is it just the quarterbacks? Uh, is it the mobile quarterbacks? There's just a bunch of stuff that we'll get through for the off season. But until then we got about what, nine more weeks of this. We'll be setting our rankings. Uh, you can find Lord Reeves uh, at Sharp Football Focus. What do you got? Or Sharp Football Analysis, uh, <laughs> not Pro Football Focus. Uh, what do you got over there? Uh, yeah, you know, I'm still doing uh, the weekly worksheet. You know, I'm still doing that every week. I do a lot of DFS content over there too. We are week eight. We're doing a promo code Sharp50 this week. So 50% off everything on the site uh, nice. if you bump over there. Very cool. All right. Uh, Josh will be back on Sunday morning. We'll have sit starts. We'll do all that fun stuff. Go play Battle Royale. Pick them. Use promo code the show to get on Underdog Fantasy. We'll match your deposit up to one hundred dollars. I'm Hayden. Thanks for Reeves for jumping on. Uh, see you guys. Good luck. <laughs>